the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Second hour of Pure Opelka kicking off right now as we follow all of the details on this breaking news story about Donald Trump Jr. releasing the emails about the meeting he had with the Russians. Uh, this, this story is growing very, very quickly, and it's getting legs, and I think it's going to run for a while, so we'll have to watch it. Lee Wheel brought up some terrific points beforehand saying that it was probably the advice of a lawyer a very high priced lawyer who said get this out now and then let's work on putting everything back together but there are important questions being raised by people on all sides of the media here people asking you know what what did the president know and when did he know it it's kind of difficult to believe that Paul Manafort, the chairman of the campaign, and Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law and highly respected advisor, would not have brought this up. And they were privy to, geez, everything that Don Jr. was receiving from, from these folks. From the press representative, the promoter, the, uh, the kid that was the pop star. It, it's all in there. And all of those emails were forwarded with everything included. So that certainly opens up Don Jr., Paul Manafort, Jared Kushner for subpoenas to speak in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee, the House Intelligence Committee, the special investigator, Mr. Mueller. And God knows if there will be a grand jury seated to look into this. There could be a whole lot more come to this, but we'll keep an eye on it. We're waiting on our buddy Simon Owen to give us a call from London to talk about uh, the latest update on Charlie Gard that's coming up. I also I also have to say um, we, we've been ripping on Mayor Bill de Blasio, the New York City mayor, for his trip overseas over the weekend to go hang out with the protesters at the G20. And you wonder, how does this guy, how does the mayor of New York avoid a conflict of interest on this free trip to Germany where he's speaking out against, basically against America? de Blasio actually pitched the Conflicts of Interest Board at the city of New York for this trip. He, he ran it by him. He had to basically say, here's what I'm doing Here's what it's about. Uh, you know, it's going to be a free trip for me, the the American uh, viewpoint or whatever they are called. No, it's the uh, Hamburg Shows Attitude. Hamburg Shows Attitude group paid for his trip, not only for him, but three aides. President or uh, the uh, de Blasio security also had to be with him. So the city of New York paid for his security as well. This was not a cheap trip, but it was free to de Blasio. Uh, he he just had to prove that it was um, in the um, interest of New York City and achieved, quote, a city purpose. What is a city purpose? Well, if you can if prove that that um, it, it supports 
the ideals of New York and New York City represents the values of New York. Well, he said that he was representing New York City and our values and providing an alternative American viewpoint to the deeply problematic vision of President Trump. That's the case they made. That's what they told the Conflicts of Interest Board. Now, in order to get something approved by the New York City Conflict of Interest Board, you just have to have a majority of the board say, yeah, okay. How many people are on that panel? Five people. How many people did Bill de Blasio appoint to that panel? Three of the five. What a load of Bravo Sierra. This guy, I'm telling you, this is not about, well, it is about slamming Donald Trump. That's what Bill de Blasio is about. It's also about Bill de Blasio in 2020. He's trying to position himself. But one of the greatest things to come out of this was the response from a uh, police officer who who recorded a message for uh, Hollywood and Black Lives Matter out of uh, about their reaction or lack thereof to the assassination of the New York police, the officer who was in the van. This is brilliant. He recorded this on his dash cam. Since uh, Officer Familia was killed, 4-6 precinct at New York City Police Department, uh, I just, I just, the one thing I want to know is where the hell are all the celebrities now? Where's all the sports teams wearing NYPD stuff? Where's the hands up, don't shoot people? Where are you right now? Why is it every thug, every career criminal, every piece of garbage, low-life scum of the earth gets the attention? when they're shot and killed for breaking the law, for threatening others, for victimizing people. When they're shot and killed by the police, they become heroes. Their families become millionaires. You got a New York City police officer, mother of three, out there sitting in a gang-infested precinct sitting there in a high-visibility post to deter crime. She's just sitting in a vehicle. And this coward walks up and shoots her right in the head. That's a victim. Of course, these morons will swing it that this guy was a, a you know, a misunderstood youth victim of, of, the, of the system, and he was angry at the police. And others will say it's the police's job. The risks are there. They know the risks. So they get killed and they get killed. That's a person that chose that job to make a difference. That's a mother of three children. She went to work and didn't come home. Where the f*** are you now? Where are the celebrities now? I don't hear you. I don't see you. And believe me, society sees that. You want to make a difference? You want to be a celebrity? You want to be an athlete? You want to mean something? You want your life to mean something more than a trophy? Or some BS award that you get? Do the right thing. Support your police. God bless, God bless you. Thank you, sir. What a great statement. 
And I let it go because you, when something is that good, it's on the blaze. You need to share that with your friends. I'll tweet out a link to it as we speak, and you should share that with your friends. That's the message that Bill de Blasio needs to hear. Can't believe he left the city when the city was in mourning over the loss of an officer who was assassinated. No, it looks like we're going back to um, we're going back to England. Our our buddy Simon Owen of Fox News out of England, who's been keeping us updated on the Charlie Guard situation, which uh, I guess is going to come to uh, some sort of resolution this week. Charlie, this is just. This is a heartbreaking story. Our, Simon, this is a heartbreaking story. And it, it just, I think it twists all of us, our stomachs in knots. And uh, I, I'm so glad you're here to, uh, to try and straighten it out for us. How are you, sir? Very well, thanks. I'm always happy to hear from you because, uh, well, just because you make, I don't know, but you make me smile and your information's always rock solid. So uh, I'm happy to have you here. What's the latest on the Charlie Guard story? Well, I mean, as you alluded to, it is a wrenching case, uh, this one, and it's one that continues to to bounce through the British and European courts. Uh, It's a case that's been running here in the UK for some time, but it's only really attracted international attention in the last maybe week or so, uh, notably after President Trump uh, intervened. The Pope has also commented, but it was President Trump who said that if we can help Charlie Gard, we would be delighted to do so. And the reason that is relevant is because this is a fight, a legal fight, between Charlie Gard's parents and his doctors. Uh, he is terminally ill. Uh, he has, as you say, this, this rare genetic condition and also has severe brain damage. Uh, he can't open his eyes or move his arms or legs. He can't breathe unaided. And doctors say it's not clear if he is in pain. And the doctors say it's that further treatment would cause suffering, and they say it's time his life support was switched off. Uh, His parents, though, want to take him to the U.S. for experimental therapy. They say they found an American hospital that is willing to offer this experimental uh, treatment, and that's why President Trump's intervention was uh, potentially relevant. So there have been a series of court hearings. Judges have repeatedly sided with the doctors who say it is time to end life support, but his parents say... As far as they're concerned, they say Charlie is still fighting, so we are too. And the latest hearing was at London's High Court. Yesterday, emotions were running high in court. Uh, His parents interrupted the doctor's legal team at one point. His father uh, shouted out that the the doctor's lawyers were lying, and his mother was weeping. The parents say they have new evidence that they want to put forward, and the judges agreed to hear that evidence, so there'll be another hearing to examine that on Thursday. But the judge said yesterday it would take dramatic and new evidence to make him change his mind. This this case, as you have pointed out so accurately, is is wrenching. And and I don't know a single person, a single human, who wouldn't have trouble deciding this. But the parents, apparently the parents have raised the money to bring the child here. It's over a million and a half dollars that it would take to get the child here and experience this treatment. A very long shot treatment, even the doctors admit it. But uh, what's the feeling in London, Simon? Do do Londoners think the parents should be allowed? Is there a survey on the on the streets on how people feel there? 
I don't have any polling, but certainly there, there there were demonstrators outside the court yesterday in support of the parents. And if, if this isn't just in the UK, if you remember the case of Terry Schiavo in the United States, oh, yes. suffered a cardiac arrest in 1990, and there's a legal fight with her parents about whether she should be kept alive or not. Her brother has travelled over here to to offer support to Charlie Guard's family. There's a a, a, a pastor who's travelled from Washington, D.C., uh, to offer support to the family as well. So there is international support for them. I think, from uh, anecdotally, from speaking to people, and this case is something that has got a lot of people talking over here, there is probably no one who can't sympathise with the parents who are doing everything they can uh, to keep their son alive and they feel that that is the best for him because his mother was saying yesterday that this treatment could be a miracle for Charlie. Now doctors question that and that's why they say, you know, let's see what this new evidence from the parents, uh, that the parents have have got and we think that evidence has come from the Vatican's Children's Hospital and also another facility outside of Britain. Let's see what that evidence is but, you know, the judge is saying it's going to take something big to change change my mind Uh, and this may sound like something that is, I think it's probably unlikely that something like this would come up in the United States, but in the British legal system, if there is a dispute between doctors and parents about the treatment of a child, then it goes to the courts and a judge is tasked with deciding. And the judge is uh, told that the rights of the child are to be put first. And that's what's uh, happening here. So with this court hearing yesterday, the judge said, let's see this evidence. Let's get it together. The parents' legal team said, give us three weeks. But the judge said he's concerned about the fact that Charlie Garb may be suffering from this continued treatment. So he said, no, you've got until Wednesday, and we'll look at it on Thursday. So that's the next hearing to come. Wow. It's, it's so incredible. The details you provide, Simon, are brilliant. We thank you for your coverage, and uh, I, I hope we will, we will hear a resolution soon. Thank you again, sir. Thanks a lot. And there goes our buddy Simon Owen. Uh, if you want to follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Big S.O., at Big S.O., and uh, he's all over the Charlie Guard story. I don't know how you, how you would not pray for a miracle. I don't know anybody, anybody who really has a, a decent bone in their body who would not be praying for a miracle in the case of Charlie Guard. So we'll keep an eye on it. When we get back, there's nothing really new in the Donald Trump Jr. story. We'll see if there's any additional spin being put out on this, and we'll share that with you. Plus, uh, bottom of the hour, Shannon Joy, our buddy who is up on all of the latest in education. We have to talk about taking our kids back from the system before the system gets too much control over them. And we'll get into all that this hour on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We will uh, get back to the Donald Trump Jr. email story in a minute. I have to remind you, I'm in the middle of a search for some new term life insurance. 
trying to make sure there's enough coverage. God forbid anything happens, but, you know, things happen. So I, I'm seeking it out, and lo and behold, this new company came to the blaze as a sponsor. It's called Health IQ. And if you, if you go to the website, this is really, I think, innovative, fascinating, and it's what you call fair and equitable in terms of how you get your life insurance. HealthIQ.com slash blaze. HealthIQ.com slash blaze. These guys are providing term life insurance based on not just your age and your gender, but based on your health IQ and how health conscious you are and how you live your life. Those really should factor into it. They've combined science and data and they've got the insurance companies now on their side saying, you know, you're right. You're right. Somebody who runs a mile with a better time than other people is probably in a lot better shape and should get a better rate. What about how you, how you are health conscious in terms of how you eat, how much sleep you get, what you do in your, in your daily activities? Do you walk? Are you sedentary? It should have an effect. So your health IQ can affect your cost of life insurance. And I'm in the middle of it right now. I have an appointment scheduled this week to get the final stage. I've taken the online test, which was very good. It, it taught me things, but it also taught them about me. I had a 15-minute phone call with one of the representatives, and they qualified me, pre-qualified me for an incredible rate on a million dollars worth of insurance, an incredible rate with a major carrier. So I'm pushing forward, and if you're looking for anything to do with life insurance, check out healthiq.com slash blaze, healthiq.com slash blaze. Take the quiz, get a quote, see if it works for you. It sure looks like it's going to be a smart decision for me. And welcome healthiq.com slash blaze. Very, very happy. Very happy you're with us. Um, the, the latest on the Donald Trump Jr. story and this story was breaking just before we went to air. This story was just coming out, and it was Donald Trump Jr. releasing the emails from his, his own account showing how the meeting with the Russian woman came about, showing who was involved, showing that Jared Kushner was involved, showing that Paul Manafort, the campaign chairman at the time, was involved, and the problem here is in campaign finance laws. Now, I know what you're thinking. Campaign finance laws, how does that affect a meeting with uh, some Russians? And how is that collusion? Well, the collusion is apparently evident to me anyway. But if you read the campaign finance laws, you're not allowed to take money from foreign entities, foreign governments, foreign citizens. And it also includes in there or anything of value, anything of value. Gee, what could be of value? Could damaging information against Hillary Clinton be of value? Of course it would be. This situation is growing hair as we watch it. This is going to be a problem. We'll be on it throughout the show, but when we get back, I want to talk education. Our friend Shannon Joy is coming back because we're going to talk about those 
psych profiles teachers are giving to kids. Kids in kindergarten. It's not right and it's not okay. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka's half of the show today is going to be busy and you better take notes. You better pay attention. And uh, most of that is really for me because I take notes and pay attention. The information comes fast and furious around here. We were talking before the break and earlier in this hour with Simon Owen from London about the Charlie Guard situation. And one of the chilling things I heard from Charlie or from Simon about Charlie was the way the Brits look at the relationship between parents and children and the government and children, that the courts will always come down on the side of the government versus the parents when it comes to the welfare of the child, that the parents don't have that kind of relationship. And I, this is what I, I blame on the single-payer health society thinking, that this is social, socialism and socialized medicine. Well, just as dangerous in my mind is socialized education, is government control of everything to do with education. And it sure feels when you look at things like No Child Left Behind and Common Core and now Every Student Succeeds that uh, this has kind of worked its way into our education system. We talked briefly last month about the the mental health assessments being done on kids via Every Student Succeeds Act. And because, um, A, I'm not a parent, and B, I'm woefully uneducated about the education system, I try to learn, I depend on people like Shannon Joy, a radio voice I respect, but also a, a brain I respect when it comes to this issue. Shannon and I have talked about Common Core and She's graciously agreed to give up some of her day to talk about Every Child Succeeds Act. And this really nefarious, dangerous infiltration of of the kids. Uh, welcome back, Shannon. Am I over-dramatizing this? No, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I love being on with you and your audience. They are amazing. I always get lots of nice feedback on Twitter when I come on. So I'm just thrilled to to be with you. And, and Mike, you're not overstating this at all. Uh, Parents need to start to think about um, schools. When you talk about uh, the concept of socialism, right, the government ownership of resources, right, they want all the money, they want all the land, they want all the capital, they want to own business, they want to own institutions. And we have to begin to understand that socialism, communism, totalitarianism is also about ownership of the most valuable resource on the face of the earth, and that is the human mind and the human body. That is human capital. This is the way that the government planners, this is the way that the corporations look at your child. 
this is the way that they see educational institutions coming in and intervening with your child. It is because at their core, they do not see the child, the human, as an independent sovereign being created by God in the image of God that is protected by their parents here on earth. They see that child as human capital. And so everything that you're seeing happening in schools today, whether it's ESSA, whether it's the standardization of all curriculum, whether it is the dumbing down of every child, whether it is the takeover of every school, whether it's charter, or private, public, by the federal government, whether it is the school-to-work programs that people like Donald Trump and Betsy DeVos trumpet as something very good. What they are doing essentially is seizing the child from the parent in all of their capacities and moving them through a, 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 a churn-and-burn type of situation that is going to create widgets for the corporations and, and um, pliable servants for government planners. That's what they want. Go ahead. That's amazing to me. And you know what? Uh, When I think about this, Shannon, when we're talking to Shannon Joy, a radio host, but somebody who understands education and what's going on. When I think about it, though, part of me wants to say, certainly the people who are alive today in government, they certainly can't be thinking about making these kids into these cogs inside the giant wheel that is the country, but yet it sure feels like that. Can they be looking that far ahead? Or am I just not understanding how quickly this can happen? Well, first and foremost, you have to look at the mindset. So many of planners, I think it was C.S. Lewis that talked about the well-intentions of the tyrants, right? People who are are well-intentioned. It is a God complex that progressives tend to have where they believe they're doing this for all of us in our best interests. Mike, it's because they love us so much and they love the children and they want global peace and they want everyone to have the same stuff because that's really what we all value, right? Equality. We all, we all have the same amount of things because we're all socialists now. And so they believe that if they control, can control the attitudes, the behaviors, and the beliefs, the, the social-emotional learning of every child, if they can make every kid the same, to believe the same thing, then they can solve the problems of global war. They can solve the problems of poverty, because essentially they're just controlling everything. And they do it from an honest and genuine place of, of love and concern. I suppose they think they love us all so much, but really we all know that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And so when you mm-hmm. wonder how far out they plan, you just have to look to something like UN Agenda 21 or what we're looking at now, which is the UN Agenda 2030. So we're in 2017 right now. They are looking 15 years out from now, and they are moving towards, and, and if you want to find the, the common theme in, in all of this new curriculum, in the next generation curriculum of Common Core Standards, it is all under the name of sustainability and the goals of the United Nations and their agendas to control uh, not only land, uh, to, to bring all of the land under the control of one governing power that's unelected, it's a global power, but also to bring all human human capital, all children under that same type of power. And these are the goals. They, they move very slowly. They move very progressively. Um, but they, they do this in what they believe is our best interest. And so, uh, go ahead. You know, Shannon, I hadn't even thought of tying it to Agenda 21 and now Agenda 2030, but you're spot on. And I did, I did study Agenda 21 inside and out, and it does relate to... Um, everything that's in the UN Charter and the UN Bill of Rights, 
which includes the uh, right, everyone's right to the equal amount of, of education, the equal amount of housing, the equal amount of work, and it is then government as the main provider, whereas families used to be the main provider for citizens uh, on this, in, at least in this country. But I didn't even think about pulling it into Agenda 21. And the minute you bring up the word sustainable, absolutely mm -hmm. sustainable, then the, the little hairs on the back of my neck stand up. And I start well, going, uh-oh, watch out. Well, well, if you want them to stand up a little more, Mike Opelka, we, we just concluded um, the high-level event on education, which was a UN-led event on education that was uh, focused around Agenda 2030. And uh, UN General Assembly President Peter Thompson said this, and this is the quote, this was just recently, it was reported in, um, oh gosh, I don't, have the, I don't have the name of the publication here, I'll get it for you. But he said this, we must educate young people about the logic of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. He said, they must be taught to take ownership, to serve as agents for change, and to be drivers of innovative ways of achieving the sustainable development goals. He said, the changes being proposed are drastic. We have to do no less than transform the way they think, the way we invest in who we partner with and deliver education. He said that uh, children must be subjected to universal early childhood education. We need coherent practical strategies for the development of children's physical, cognitive, and emotional skills to set up positive adult productivity and behavior. And this is the, this is the 2030 version. You see, Agenda, 20, uh, Agenda 21 was more about land and commodity. Agenda 2030, uh, 2030 is more about the human capital. It is the mind. And the government owns the body through universal health care. They own the mind through universal indoctrination through government schools. And that is what we're facing today. Wow. Wow. Shannon, Shannon Joy, in the minute and a half, two minutes I have remaining, how do we stop the infiltration in the education system? Okay, Mike, the first step is the hardest, okay? This is what I tell everyone. The first okay. step is the hardest. The first step is that we as conservative Republicans have to realize that we are up against our own guys, that we do not have a friend in Donald Trump. We do not have a friend in Betsy DeVos. We do not have a friend in Ted Cruz. We do not have a friend in Mike Lee. Uh, there is not a single national voice out there, whether it's on, on media, Fox News, any of the big talkers, some, besides you and Glenn Beck, who will talk about this, um, but most of the big talkers will never discuss this. And so the first step is to admit that this is being pushed by our own guys. And until we rip away and, and rip ourselves out of the two-party paradigm, the Democrat versus Republican paradigm, and, re and realize they are of the same team, they are on the same team, then we won't be able to stop this. Then you need to be able to get involved in your own local community. You have to start to refuse evaluations. You have to start to refuse any federal testing. You have to get connected with local advocates in your state. They are all over the country. Common Core advocates are some of the smartest political activators out there today, Michael Pelka, because we, we went into this as parents who were earnestly just looking for the truth. And when we found the truth, it was, you know, it's hard truth, but that's really what needs to happen. Uh, you have to rip yourself out of that paradigm and then get active locally, start refusing the tests, and uh, things will come up from there. 
from your lips to God's ear and to many of the people who we need to get activated and awakened to the reality of what's going on in the schools. Uh, it's so important. Uh, just, I, I know I, I'm way late. Dallas is in my ear going, you got to break, you got to break. Is there any national politician who's with us? Is Mike Pence with us? Is Marco no. Rubio with us? Pence is one of the worst. Pence did the rename change. He's a change agent. Betsy DeVos is a change agent. I don't think Donald Trump even gets it. I don't even think he knows what's going on. So it's, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's lost in all this. He's surrounded by people who are pushing this. Um, the best we can get, really, it started with Glenn Beck. Uh, Michelle Malkin is good. Uh, Susan Berry's reporting at Breitbart is phenomenal. Jane Robbins, um, uh, Neil McCluskey at Cato Institute is very good. Truth in American but Education. nobody we've elected. Nobody no one we've elected. No, no one. We tried to get Cruz to on this. Um, this was one of the biggest bitter disappointments of Cruz during the, the primary. I think he would have won the primary if he would have won the Common Core Warrior Mamas. And uh, he wasn't able to do it because he, was, he wouldn't meet with us. And, and uh, he wouldn't look. And I don't think it's because he were, he's in on it or he's a bad guy. I think they just don't. They don't want to go through the trouble of, of really understanding it and then going up against those big lobbies, um, the lobbies in, in school choice movement, which are big corporations um, who yeah. are in bed with the government and the union. So, it's, I mean, this is a bottom-up uh, grassroots effort, and, and it will be until we push, push our message out there. Well, Shannon Joy, you live up to your name. Thank you Aww. for all you do. Uh, follow her on Twitter, and uh, hopefully she'll be back soon. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much, Mike. Talk to you soon. Well, to talk to you, and we'll be right back after a break. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. As we went to break, this just crossed. In order to provide more time to complete action, important legislative items and process nominees that have been stalled by a lack of cooperation from our, our friends across the aisle, the Senate will delay the start of the August recess until the third week of August. That from Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell throwing a little shade on the Democrats, saying that we're going to work on important legislative actions and process nominees that have been stalled by a lack of cooperation from our friends across the aisle. That is the Senate Majority Leader sharing that news via a press release and now, will they get anything done? Will the Senate be able to actually finish whatever they're trying to do on health care? I, I said it earlier when the, when the news came out about the Donald Trump Jr. emails. Um, this certainly, certainly changed the priorities, or, or certainly the priorities for journalists in D.C., but will it change the priorities for the Senate and the House the House, I'm sure, is going to have to act and do the same thing. I'm just waiting for Paul Ryan's statement to come out. But the, the Senate is going to be in D.C. working 
for another two weeks. Instead of a five-week recess, they're going to get a two- or three-week recess. Now, does that mean Ben Sass won? Because wasn't it his idea? Didn't Ben Sass say, hey, let's not go away? And then the president also said, why would you go away if you didn't have health care done? Kind of interesting. Kind of interesting that it happened today. Uh, and then I do have to tell you that Glenn Beck just tweeted something I thought was very, very astute. Not that Glenn doesn't make astute observations all the time. But he just tweeted out Fox News yesterday, quote, no evidence of collusion. Fox News today, quote, remember, collusion is not a crime. Mr. Beck, well done, sir. Not that you need it from me, but very well done. When we get back, my Canadian friend Brian Lilly from Rebel Media joins us. We're going to talk about Canadians doing the right thing. Yeah. For Americans who were killed by a terrorist. That's next on Puro Pelkin. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.